Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I'm also the founder of the Menopause Charity. In addition, I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Clinic here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I have with me Kat Keogh, who I've known for a few years now. We were introduced actually by a journalist when I was starting to write my first book, The Haynes Menopause Manual. I needed some help because I have very little time and lots of knowledge. And so someone called Sarah actually very kindly introduced me to Kat. And then she came up to Stratford-upon-Avon to meet me and we had a nice cup of coffee. And well, I don't drink coffee, but we had a drink. (laughs) And yeah, the rest is history, as they say. So welcome, Kat. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Louise. It's lovely to be here. So just tell me a bit about you and what you do and your background, if you don't mind, just to put everything into context. Okay, well, I'm a health journalist by trade. I've been a journalist now for about 15 years. Day job, I work for a nursing journal, but I also do projects like helping your good self out. And, you know, previously I've worked at the Mail on Sunday on the health desk. So, you know, health is my passion, really. So I've been really lucky because, you know, I've combined the writing with the sort of health aspect, which is brilliant because you, you know, selfishly you get to learn an awful lot but also for the reader you know you get to impart lots of knowledge from talking to people like you so yeah it's such a skill actually isn't it and I mean I've been a medical writer for 20 years and I have had the privilege of writing a lot for well when I say patients and not all patients but you know non-healthcare professionals I should say and you can really reach so many people by getting it right and I think Certainly in the space of the menopause and perimenopause, journalists have been fed wrong information for so long. And so it's very easy for someone like me to criticise journalists, but how can I criticise? They're just doing their job and they're regurgitating and writing about what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. So, But it is so powerful to be able to reach people who are the ones that are suffering when it comes to the perimenopause or menopause or the ones that are indirectly suffering when you think about men. So when you were approached by Sarah a while ago and introduced, did you know much about the menopause and perimenopause or what were your thoughts initially? I probably fudged it at the time, but I really didn't. Um, I think when I first met you, I was getting on for about three years ago now. Mm. I was on maternity leave after having my second baby. I think I was just probably very tired and I must admit I do remember having an initial phone chat with you and I think I was like must have been on the tube and lost signal and I had Mm. a message from you and we spoke on the phone and I remember having to after I got the phone having to google what perimenopause actually meant because I'd never really heard of it and you know I'm a health journalist and you'd expect me to have really heard about it before but no it just wasn't in my vernacular at the time menopause was but only from you know I'm gosh I can't remember how old I'm now 38 so you know at the moment I'm not at the age where many of my friends are menopausal so the only real experiences I can remember is hearing my mum talk about it or well, not my grandma but hearing stories about my grandma yeah so not not an awful lot so this has been like I say it's brilliant from a selfish point of view because I've got all of this knowledge and facts now so in the next few years you know I will know 
hopefully have an idea of what's happening and when, which I wouldn't have had at all had I not met you. Which is fantastic, because I remember you coming when we met in real life and you had a big notebook and you kept writing and writing and writing (laughs) all these notes. And I could always feel how your brain was connecting and learning all these things, but not just learning them, you wanting to know more and wanting to get Mm. behind the facts. And it's all very well me telling you things, but you've got to make sure that they're real and they're true and what I'm saying is right. And then we managed to... um, persuade Haynes to do the book and I was very clear that I didn't want you to be thought of as just a ghostwriter because actually I sort of say to people it's like you're my stalker actually you sort of <laughs> get behind everything I that am. I do. I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> so, outside your house right now. No. <laughs> but you have to you have to immerse yourself because you know you, you want someone to read an article or read a book or listen to a podcast or or anything pick up a magazine and you want that person to you know one be informed and the way that you write things you know you've got to make sure you've got the facts but it's engaging and it's all about empowerment as well because you know the difference between picking up a paper or a magazine or a podcast versus a textbook is you've got to put those facts into context make them relatable and I suppose that's what was really a dream sort of working with you is that you talk to so many women anyway and partners you know you've got a massive reach on social media so I suppose that's where the stalking aspect comes in that I can you know just I know that every morning you'll post something on Instagram and you know within minutes you'll have dozens and dozens of comments from people either saying that's exactly how I feel or you know and it's amazing because it's seeing the reach that you have on social media just shows how important it is that you get the fact out and you get the balanced information out so yeah absolutely it is really important and I know like I knew I wanted to write this book but I knew I couldn't do it justice if I was getting home every night and I'm exhausted because I'm doing so many other things but I also knew that I had this big wealth of information Mm. so it's very different if some other books where for example a ghostwriter has to find the content and then write it and someone so I have written books before but they were more factual for healthcare professionals so this is my first non-healthcare professional book if you like but I very much wanted it to be a two-way process so I wanted your involvement but I didn't want you to just hand me the final thing for me to sign off so we had a very reactive time and really shaped and developed something that I'm really proud of and now Fast forward, we've now brought together another book, haven't we? Which this time we've managed to get perimenopause in the title, which I'm really pleased about. So it's called Preparing for Your Perimenopause and Menopause. And so just explain a bit more about this book, if you don't mind. So the Penguin book, that's out late August. I suppose that's taking it to the next level, really. It's got all the facts in. It's got all the detail in. This time it has much more in terms of stories from women who've been there. It's very much that thing of making sure that the reader, when they pick it up, knows that they're not alone. So this has got a lot more kind of first person accounts or, you know, either women that you've met along the way or women that you've helped through your clinic. And it's really practical. I mean, there's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to cover in this guide and it's they're called expert guides. And that's what they really are. It's kind of boiling down the essentials but doing it in a really digestible way that you could hand this book over to your partner or your daughter or your son or your work colleague or even your boss. You know, it's not a book that's just 
for a woman who's menopausal. It's kind of for everyone who's got an interest. And really, that should be everyone because it is such a, you know, it's an all pervasive issue. And, you know, go into that quite a lot in the book about how it's, it's not an illness, it's not a disease, it's a hormonal deficiency. And in the same way that, thank goodness, there's been lots of provisions made for women during pregnancy or after childbirth in the workplace, there's still some way to go. But, you know, it should really be people be as open as they are talking about pregnancy. Even more open, really, isn't it? I think, you know, if I break my arm, I wouldn't be embarrassed talking about it at all. And in fact, I get lots of sympathy because I'd go into work with a plaster cast. (laughs) But I think what I'm wanting, one of the ways I think a lot about how to reach people, but one of the things I've been thinking the last few weeks is actually let's forget it being a women's problem. No, Let's just talk it as something that happens and affects everyone so if it doesn't affect you directly it will affect you indirectly because you'll be a man knowing a woman but if we look at the economics so let's think about it as an economic problem so let's not think about women let's not think about how awful their suffering is let's think about how much it's costing the global economy and actually it's many many billions of pounds or dollars or whichever country you're in because of lost productivity, you know, women actually being prevented from working yeah. because of the menopause, but also the cost of the healthcare. You know, I just read yesterday that since COVID, waiting list for the NHS is 13 million people mm. on a waiting list. And I was talking to someone very happy in the NHS yesterday, and his priority is to look at these people. And I was saying, well, there'll be a lot of people there who will be perimenopausal or menopausal waiting investigations for palpitations for headaches for urine problems there'll be people waiting for joint replacements or for scans of their hips knees and all a lot of this will be reduced by cheap easy very accessible menopause care and he took a while actually to actually think about that and I said but this is what we have to look at actually we can free up money to those that need it and also we can free up appointments and reduce the strain on not just our healthcare system but other healthcare Mm. systems across the world and you know a few years ago when before I did all this menopause work I wouldn't have even thought like that I would have just thought well it's just women with hot flushes they just we give them HRT and that's fine but then you think about all these women and actually there's now a lot of work doing quite rightly into polypharmacy so this is when people take more than one medication a lot of women we see here in the clinic are given antidepressants things like gabapentin amitriptyline for nerve pain painkillers for their headaches antibiotics for urine infections and so on and so on and so on actually once they've been on HRT for a few months they gradually come off a lot of these medications and they're quite heavy duty medications as well amitriptyline it's my partner takes that for Cluster headaches, and my God, you know, I don't know whether it's an excuse, but you can't wake him up in the morning. So- it's really hard. I mean, I saw a 36-year-old lady a few weeks ago in my clinic who had early menopause, and she had such bad vaginal dryness, she said it felt like acid had been poured between her legs most days, oh. and at night time she really couldn't sleep. And I'd given her some HRT, she felt a lot better about a year ago, and then she went to get some from her GP who said, no, you're too young to be menopausal, you don't need that. All her symptoms came back. So she saw a specialist and they said, it's a coincidence it was your hormones. Mm. You've got something called vulvodynia, which means pain, as you know, around it. So we'll give you amitriptyline. And he gave her a very high dose, 100 milligrams, which is a very, very high dose. It's probably four times what we would normally give. And it was really knocking her out, but not really. It was taking the edge off the pain, but not really affecting it. So she came back here to see me 
with her poor partner who was in tears the whole consultation. And she said, I've given up work as a teacher. I actually cannot carry on my life like this. It's so horrendous. And I said, well, what about having your hormones back? She said, would you really let me? Because that's the only thing that's helped. And mm-hmm. she just think, my goodness me, she's, this is a young woman yeah. who's got a future ahead of her and it's been stopped. Not because of hot flushes, not because of sweats, because of this extreme, extreme pain that no one has helped. Mm. And the treatment, as you know, costs pounds. It's really not difficult. But it's having, I think, tools that we can, like you say, empower women, isn't it? So they can then actually say to their doctor, well, I'm sorry, but I think it is related to my hormones. And, you know, I understand you might not know much or have been given much education but what I've read really points to this and I also know I mean, we've got a chapter haven't we, about early menopause in the book because yeah. it's really important these women are addressed yeah and I think it goes back to that sort of building up your personal knowledge base will really help I mean what's been great for me over the course of the last few years even in my own friendship group you know I've got friends who are HR managers and occasionally you'll get a text from them saying what was the name of that book again or what's the website and it's brilliant to be able to direct someone just say here's the link mm-hmm. you know and it's the same I had a close family member last week saying you know I've got a friend she thinks she might be perimenopausal is there anywhere that's good to go to so I said you know try the balance app try the Haynes menopause manual try you know your website and it's the same with the new book it's just you know, a a kind of one-stop guide. And, you know, when you go to the doctors, I think it's something like research shows that the average appointment's like 9.2 minutes. Mm. Health professionals, as you know, they're time-pressed, they're stressed. There's a backlog because of COVID. So actually, if you, you know, feel like you might have these symptoms, you've almost got your shopping list of how you're feeling. And you can say to that health professional, here you go, this is how I'm feeling. This is it in a nutshell. That's so much more powerful than waiting for the question to be asked and then coming out of that consultation or that appointment feeling like you haven't quite got to the nub of what's happened. I think so. And I think, you know, we always used to say sometimes in general practice, oh, I just want the woman who needs a pill check to come through. So this is some young person, fit and well, who needs contraception. And actually, most pill checks now are done by nurses, as you know. But I would love it if one slipped through to me because I think, (laughs) oh, that's great because it will take me probably five or six minutes to explain the pill and contraception, give leaflets. A lot of the young women or girls knew a lot about contraception because they'd really thought about their choice. So it was a very informed, empowering consultation where the patient got a good result. I felt good because I knew what I was doing. It was very quite formulaic medicine, but it was good. I wouldn't want to do it every day or all day every day, but actually to have one or two of those in a really busy day just was like, great. But then I think the menopause at the minute, a lot of doctors and nurses are thinking, oh, I'm too busy. I don't want menopause. I don't want these women complaining, la, 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 la. Whereas actually, as you say, if the women are empowered, they've gone to the balance app, they've downloaded a house report. If a woman came to me as a GP and said, I'm menopausal, these are my symptoms, this is Mm -hmm. what I'd like, I know HRT is safe, I'd like the gel and I've got a womb, I'd like progesterone, then it's like, wow, actually, I've got eight minutes now to talk to you about that. And I might not need all those eight minutes because the woman's already listened to podcasts, she's read the book, she's watched the videos, and it's really empowering, actually. And so that's how I want to, with a lot of the work that I'm doing outside my clinic, through my not-for-profit and everything else, is giving clinicians the tools that they're really confident because what happens Mm. now is a lot of 
patients and women do that and then the doctor's saying oh I don't know how to prescribe HRT the computer's telling me it's really dangerous so I better not so although she's telling me it's probably safe I'm not sure I believe her so let's give her some antidepressants because I'm really slow and that's not the doctor's fault it's because they haven't had the training but if we can improve the training and I'm sure with you working for the nursing journal that you can sort of hear and see there's a big interest from nurses as well isn't there for leading menopause care definitely there really is and I think it's that kind of you've hit on it then it's that lack of initial training it's that you wouldn't tend to cover menopause on a pre-registration nursing course you know if you're a practice nurse then this is different because you'd be dealing with it a lot more but you say that Kat but they should actually so every nurse that sees an adult should so if you were a cardiology nurse if you were a urology nurse if you were a nurse with a special interest in rheumatology for example you will definitely be seeing menopausal women but you won't yeah. be looking out for them because you've not had any no, training no but you'll see them but they might not present with mm. how I'm feeling it might just be a side issue but I've certainly found that that I know that you've had a massive upsurge in surgeries getting in touch with you for mm. training which is brilliant and I think compared to when I first met you three years ago is much more of an appetite for knowledge yes which is brilliant to see and that's both sides I think that's both in health professionals themselves also in the public and not just women absolutely you know you you hear that kind of have you got a menopause you know workplace policy or menopause banded about and actually that's just the starting point yeah you know it shouldn't be tick box and you know if you're a manager whether you're you know working in HR or just a line manager You should be able to feel confident to be a sounding board for someone if they want to talk about the menopause, but equally if they don't, that's fine. But just knowing that there's someone there who's supportive is really important. And also someone that might pick up your symptoms. You know, I wish five years ago when I was struggling with all these symptoms, (laughs) I thought it was just because I was working too hard. I wish someone had knocked on my door and come into my room and said, Louise, you're running a bit late, you're a bit chaotic, you keep forgetting patients' names. Is there anything going on? Have you, you know, what are your periods like or something? Or just giving me a booklet, I would have realised what had gone on, but I didn't. That kind of way where some women have that almost like the penny drops where someone goes, is there any chance you might be pregnant? You yes. Think, oh God, yes. <laughs> Maybe I am. Because I, I, you know, I in my life, my mum had cancer when I was about eight. So she went straight into a surgical menopause in early 90s. So I never really had those, you know, my mum would talk to me about being, I remember her being on HRT, but this was, you know, the 90s. Mm-hmm. I was young, I was probably too bothered about going out to play. So we never really talked about it. But I always remember her saying my, well, it was my dad's mum, so her mother-in-law, she lived in a sort of rural part of Ireland and her sort of version of HRT or her treatment was going to a well at the bottom of the field and shouting down the well. <laughs> she had hot fishes. So that in my family was about the measure of the chats around menopause. Mm. But now since working with you, my mum would say, or oh, there's someone on the telly talking about it. My sisters will talk to me about it. And it's brilliant. And that's how it should be. Yes. And I think it's great because we've got some celebrities. I'm not starstruck at all. You know, all these women, they just have different roles, don't they? And getting people like Lorraine Kelly and Davina McCall to talk is very, very powerful, actually. 
and there is now this Davina effect following the Channel 4 documentary and yeah. a lot of my friends who are GPs say Louise I used to be prescribing HRT once or twice a day and now it's eight nine times a day and I'm thinking that's great and you know what Davina and obviously Kate Muir who is behind the program have done for the history of the menopause actually is going to be yeah. phenomenal we're just starting to see it and the work what we started to do with the menopause charity is just quite instrumental actually in making a real difference to future generations I think. I, I remember talking to friends I think in the days after the documentary aired and it was you know I was at football on a Saturday morning watching my kids and all the all the other mums were talking about it saying have you seen it and I can't imagine that happening a few years ago and it's right it's the you know people like Davina, Lorraine, you know Meg Matthews it's fantastic what they've done in being basically talking about their own experiences and it helps other women either recognize similar stories in their own or have the confidence to you know approach their doctor or talk to their partner or or children about you know the way I am at the moment is because of X and you know I think it's also joining the dots isn't it so talking about it is one thing but actually knowing that there's treatment as well and actually Knowing that the treatment is just reclaiming your own hormones, it's not a medication, it's not a drug, it's not something with side effects. And actually, for most types of HG, it's not even something with risks. And mm. I think it's always been sort of a bit shameful to talk about it. And also, like, you're giving in to something which you shouldn't. It's almost like, yeah. I don't know, it's weird, isn't it? Because a lot of people, when they have a childbirth, they'll talk about how awful and painful blah, 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 it was, but you always... I think with menopause, people feel they have to have a bad experience mm. or it has to be really bad if they ask for help. And we know lots of people aren't going to the doctors because yeah. they feel it's wasting the doctor's time. But actually, if you think about it as something that causes disease and increases risk of disease, it's really fundamental, especially yeah. now in times of COVID, you know, COVID, long COVID, none of this is going away. So we need to really make our immune system as strong as possible. And one of the ways of doing that is by having oestrogen because it helps the way our immune cells work. I think that's one of the things that perhaps isn't quite as well recognised, I think, is the long term risks. Yes. The cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis is not sort of talked about so much. And it's so important. Absolutely. I mean, there was just a study that came out just recently showing about reduction of risk of dementia with women who take HRT especially body identical HRT and that's really really important because most of us are scared of dementia you know Mm -hmm. there's something like osteoporosis a lot of people don't know about they don't realize how bad it can be for a lot of people but we all know what dementia is and we all know how we don't want it and we don't want our family to be subjected to having us with dementia so it's so important to know that we actually have a treatment that reduces the risk but people don't know that no so there's some really big messages that we need to keep delivering don't we and there's quite a lot in the book what's good about the book is that it takes each thing in turn there's a chapter on diet but not a diet just you know mm-hmm. around how a balanced diet is it goes hand in hand with your medication exercise as well because mm-hmm. I know that was you know one of the things you were saying that it's not about suddenly getting a really expensive gym membership or buying all yes. this. It's about figuring out what you're interested in, yeah. what you might enjoy and keep at that. And it's got lots about the long term risks and, you know, benefits of treatments. It looks at mental health. I mean, there's a whole chapter looking at sleep. Mm. 
I know you were really passionate about having that in because that's a big issue. I think because it's quite bite-sized, it's something that you can give to a colleague or a partner or a teenage daughter or son and, and say, read this. Yes, and it's got a nice, bright, simple cover, hasn't it? And it's written in a way that you don't have to read cover to cover. I mean, I know my husband just laughs. I keep bringing home different sort of self-help books and various, you know, <laughs> uh, different books and they're all next to my bedside. But I, sometimes I just dip in and out and I just yeah. get a quote or I just get something and actually one sentence can actually change my life sometimes thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I was reading something about meditation recently and just little things you think, yeah, actually that means a lot. That makes sense. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people who think all I do is think about HRT and I don't actually, I think I know a lot about HRT, but I also think about this whole holistic approach and about choice and yeah. about future health actually. So, you know, HRT obviously is replacing the missing hormones or topping mm. up the missing hormones, but we have to have responsibility for our health. And I think we also have to have responsibility for keeping away from doctors once we know what's going on. And so a lot of that has to be done with diet and exercise and yeah. sleep and other things. So I think we've tapped from other experts as well, haven't we, in the book, which has been really useful. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's everything about sort of good skin, health, you know how to do a pelvic floor exercise by yes. step which is a, is a good one you know breathing exercises different poses for yoga you know and it's all simple it's all relatable you know it's this isn't a sort of 10-week plan to change no, life absolutely it is and even I just got my hairdresser actually to say that which hairbrush yeah. <laughs> I think what's good about it is people that you've worked with and you've spoken to along the way so you know we've just got loads of really good expert advice in there stories from women who have been there as well and then you know that all wrapped around or threaded all the way through that is your expertise and I think like you say it's something you can dip in and out of as well it's an enjoyable read and it's I suppose about making menopause a really empowering part of your life because it's such a huge is it third of your life that you are post-menopausal at least yeah for a lot of women it's even longer so we have to embrace it and we have to make the most of it so I'm really grateful for your time to talk about it and I'm also publicly very grateful for all your time and effort and also your amazing approach and um, patience really to keep you know (laughs) working with me on this it's been brilliant and so I'm just looking forward to seeing it in the flesh because I still haven't seen it in the printed flesh yet so we're very excited so but before I end Kat I would just like to ask three tips for why to buy the book so I'd like one tip for a woman to buy it one tip for a man to buy it and one tip for a teenager or a child to buy it as well okay right Please. tall order okay for a woman I suppose the tip is it's about empowerment it's giving yourself the knowledge to get the best treatment for you and giving yourself the tools to lead a happy life I think for men a good window into understanding what's happening at this point in your partner or a colleague's life and I think for a teenager it'll probably be a good eye opener to to see because you know teenagers and menopausal hormones that's you know can be quite an explosive combination but I think this will be and it's written in a way that's really easily digestible so I think anyone of any age 
could read it. So what we're basically saying is that it should be in everybody's bookcase and probably in every library and (laughs) workplace as well. So there's no reason not to buy it is what we're trying to say. We're not here for a plug for the book. We're here for a plug to improve knowledge, to empower women. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's for everyone, really. And that's what, you know, menopause is everyone's business. It's not just something just for women. It's not a taboo subject it really is everyone's business because it affects whether it's not you it will affect you indirectly and you know this is a really good solid guide to the sort of gauntlet symptoms treatments you know and also you know most importantly the strategies that you can put in place to have a happy menopause a fulfilling sort of stage in your life really so brilliant thank you ever so much for your time today Kat. thank you thank you For more information about the perimenopause and menopause, you can go to my website, menopausedoctor.co.uk, or you can download our free app called Balance, available through the App Store and Google Play.